Hello, and welcome to Ethical Seduction, your sex and relationship podcast, where we cover topics and skills designed to help you get what you want, both in and out of the bedroom. On today's shows, we are going to look at alpha males. What's real, what's myth, and what is bullshit? <laughs> I personally feel that there are some alpha traits that are, really are truly attractive. However, there's so much baggage linked to being masculine and being a true alpha male that it's hard to tell what is legit and what is just like toxic masculinity in disguise. So for today's discussion, I purposely kept everybody else in you know, in the dark and kept this a secret from them because I'm hoping to catch, you know, their fresh responses and opinions to see, you know, so we can kind of filter through this and figure out like what is misinformation and what is what is real. Um, so with that said, let me introduce everybody. So I'm Steven, your host for today. And then joining me are my wife, Kimberly. Hi. And Ava. Hello. And Brandy. Hi. So uh, the reason I got into this topic was because of Pinterest. And so as I kind of go through and like research things or whatever, it's like Pinterest like comes up and they're like, oh, we recommend this thing. So the first thing I wanted to say that I think is kind of funny is that uh, Pinterest thinks that I am a, que a queer female elementary school teacher because of <laughs> that I have looked up, okay? But then mixed in with that is like, how to be a true alpha dominant male. And so the, the, the male men stuff that comes through so often is, and I just think this is like a marketing thing of like, how do you be the confident male person? You know? And so all of a sudden it just hit me that like, this would be good to talk about because I do feel like a lot of that is kind of marketing. There are aspects of it that I think really are good and real and attractive, but then some of it is just kind of like bullshit machoism, you know? So that's what I wanted to kind of go through with you all and like really, you know, take sort of a deep dive of this. And I thought it might be kind of fun, especially if you didn't know what was coming so that we could sort of get your feedback from it. So I did have an opening question. Um, can you become, can you become an alpha person or were you or are you like more like born that way? Like, is it just something like, oh no, you're this is just how you are, or is it something you can learn to be? What do you all think? Yeah, think let's, let's start with the the easy question, Stephen. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Brandy. What were you saying? Oh, I think it can be learned. Well, okay, well then we're done. Well, that was so I'm just, I'm like, learned or I'm like learned. Yeah, okay, you learned. Well, if be. you look at if you look at feminist theory, then that basically says that all of masculinity and femininity is learned and is kind of like this performance that we do. Um, and so it's not really something that you're born with. It's all, all cultural. Right. Basically. I think that okay. makes a lot of sense what you're saying, Kimberly. Like these are behaviors that we, that, that are learned, that are definitely more related to like what we pick up around us rather than intrinsically who we are. But these are things that happen really, really early on. Like, for example, I look at my nieces and how they are being raised and how they are surrounded by pink frilly princessy things. And so they're taught literally like from, from birth that like, oh, I'm supposed to like pretty girly frilly things. And I'm supposed to want to be a princess or be a damsel in distress. Like we don't intentionally tell people that, but, 
But babies, children are taught that from very, very early on. And that's very, very early programming that takes a lot of unwinding to do. Mm-hmm. So if someone grows up with the behaviors of of an, whatever you would categorize as an alpha male, it's probably something they weren't born with, but were taught from very, very early on. Right. I agree, Ava. Um, for example, I love how you're talking about it's like um, ingrained in us from this very early age, because look at if you dress a baby in pink versus if you dress a baby in blue, like you will notice that people treat them differently. Mm. I did an experiment because I didn't have babies long ago (laughs) with my dog Jasper. (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) When I was in my women's studies master's degree program, I was like, well, what if we just put a pink holler on the boy dog and see if people treat him differently? (laughs) Now, of course, this is kind of silly and like doesn't really um, translate necessarily to humans, Mm -hmm. but they, they were more like, oh, what a beautiful girl. Like, and I'm like, oh, it's a boy dog, but not that that really even matters. It doesn't matter. Right. I mean, anyway, so. That's a really good point, though. Like it sets people's expectations of how to treat us, like the way that we dress or express ourselves, whether it's more masculine or feminine. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like thinking beyond some of those like uh, ingrained like gender norms, I guess. Is that the right term for that? Like beyond that, like those of us that are taught that it's safe to be more outspoken or are taught that we are expected to be more outspoken or dominant or aggressive or whatever, however you want to define being an alpha male, right? Like whatever those behaviors look like, if we're just taught that we're expected to do that, or that's what a successful Ava looks like, right? Then then that's what we're going to naturally be inclined to, to gravitate toward, to put out into the world, because that's what we feel like the world expects of us. Mm-hmm. All right. So what I did was I looked up to, to kind of get ready for this, like um, definitions, you know, because it was it's a good way to kind of research things. So I looked up the definition of alpha male. OK. And so uh, what Google told me was it says the dominant male animal in a particular group. And then it also says a man tending to assume a dominant or domineering role in a social or professional situation. Then it gives you, Google will give you like other things that, hey, I think you might also be interested in this, you know, so one of the stuff that, or one of the things that came up was like, what is an alpha male in a relationship? Um, Tell me what you all think about this. I'm going to ask you two questions. Tell me if, you know, if you kind of agree or disagree or or what. Uh, It says, so what is an alpha male in a relationship? If you're dating an alpha male, this normally means that you have to be open to the idea of seeing things his way. Most of the time, it doesn't really mean that your two cents won't matter but rather that your partner will have certain things that only he will have control over. Now, this came from, I'm going to say this, it's uh, regain.us, so www.regain.us. And I'm going to say, I think the way this is written sounds a little bit out of context for where their whole article is. So I think it's a good, legitimate article. But what do you all think about that? So if you're dating an alpha male, you're going to have to just do some things his way. I disagree. I mean, do you, do you mean do the thing his way or com- or compromise? I think there's a difference. Well, they say, but rather your partner will need to have certain things that only he will have control over. I feel like there's a difference between. Ugh, I'm so this kind, is, of, this kind of gets into murky water for me with me um, identifying as poly because there are certain relationships I have that. 
Um, for one relationship, we've agreed that I'll only wear like a certain outfit with them and, and no one else will see it. So, but that is agreed upon control, if you mm-hmm. will. And is um, that more of a kink relationship than, than, no. than a romantic relationship? Like, is that like a DS thing? It, it's no, it's, there's no DS dynamic. Um, is it it's just that it's special? special outfit yeah it's just you know when you want something special with different people then you kind of choose or this one person might have like a certain coffee cup that they only use and you know you still want those special moments um and i i guess is the difference is that those are discussed and agreed upon i would hope that that Sorry, Kimberly, go ahead. I think that's what I was getting at earlier. Um, just the idea more of consent, like versus like, well, I, I'm just expected to go along with this and I don't necessarily agree with this, but I'm just going to because mm. it's easier. Um, or it's like not even something you're aware of in your relationship. It's really a subconscious like dynamic um, that people just fall into because they're expected to based on these gender roles that we were talking about earlier. Um versus like no i've made a conscious choice to consent to falling into this role which could be like a kink identity of submissive mm-hmm. i see what you're saying about that kimberly i really think that like any any relationship that you look at there's probably going to be some level of this person on this side of the relationship this partner wants this specific decision or the specific choice or the specific element of their life, like they want to call the shots for that. And then the other person persons like may say like, that's cool. This is your territory. You make decisions in this area. I want to make decisions about this other thing, this other territory over here. Right. Like that, that to me doesn't necessarily translate into like an alpha male specific thing. That sounds like a normal relationship thing, whether, whether that's a kink relationship or dynamic or even like a professional relationship, I could see that happening anywhere. Yeah, I think so. That's sort of a little bit like negotiation, right? You're sort of negotiating what you're going to be. I don't know. Like Kimberly really cares right now about the paint color of our future kitchen, you know. And I don't care as much, you know. Don't so there's, like, there's where I'm kind of like, okay, you just, you know, you figure that out, you know. I'll support you. Um, but I think there's a like sometimes there's negotiation over like how much does somebody care about something. Now, now in this, uh, let me jump ahead. In this particular example, when I kind of read through it. I didn't necessarily really like it. And again, I think it's kind of taken out of context and I'm going to have in the show notes, anybody's listening, you can like look these things up. I'll have the the links to where you can go to these articles. Um, But for that one, it just sounded a little bit almost like controlling, you know, of like, you know, you might have to do what this person says. The next one dynamic almost. I I don't think that's what they meant. I know, but. That's the only way it would work in like my world. Yeah. And some stuff out there is like, if you're dating an alpha male, how do you deal with it? Because it's not necessarily easy. So that's maybe more what this article was. But the next one I I liked a lot more. It's uh, from www.apolloanteponte.com. I don't know how you say it. It's all one word. Okay. Uh, And I'll have a a link to it. This definition I like a lot better. It feels better. Okay. It says, many people think that an alpha mindset means being aggressive and dominant, and that's not the case. An alpha mindset is letting go of control and staying in the moment, knowing that you can handle anything that happens, everything's going to work out, and that you will learn and grow from anything that comes your way. That, I, I really like that. See, I kind of associate with that. It's like, you don't have to do everything perfect, right? But you can like navigate through things and and not lose 
you know, lose yourself. So we don't have to like talk too much about that one, but that one, I just want to kind of point out the difference. Like that one felt a lot. I associated more with that one. Like that felt better to me. Um, also I want to shift our discussion right now. Okay. Because I, I know I started off with like alpha male. I don't think we need to talk about the male part. Okay. I think what we really want to dive into is like the alpha part. Okay. So the, the masculine gender or masculine is really getting into like talking about gender, right? So masculinity refers to behaviors, social roles, relations of men within a given society, as well as the meanings attributed to them. The term masculinity stresses gender, unlike male, which stresses biological sex. So that's coming from the Oxford uh, bibliographies.com. Um, from Wikipedia, they have alpha, which is, this is what I want to start focusing on. Alpha describes in studies of social animals, the highest ranking individual is sometimes designated as the alpha. Alphas may achieve their status by superior physical strength and aggression or through social efforts and building alliances within the group, or more often simply by breeding and being, being the parent of all of their pack. So that I thought was interesting because it talks about strength and aggression, but it says you don't have to do it that way. You can also do it through social efforts and building alliances. And then they kind of tack on, especially I think with animals, but like it can be just simply breeding who gets to do the breeding, you know? Um, but so I'm going to, let's, let's talk, let's drop the word male, you know, forget alpha male. And instead let's just talk about like the alpha traits. Cause I think they were, they're going to apply to whatever your gender is. I think really kind of the same way. Um, all right. So that brings, I'm going to say now we're getting into like the, the body of what I really want to kind of talk about. So, but before we do, I, a couple of years ago, I'd never heard this term. You all probably have heard it a long way before, but like toxic masculinity, you know? And when I first heard that, I was like, what toxic, toxic masculinity, you know? And then, and then it's, as I've thought about it, like later and more and more, I thought like, yeah, there's a lot to, that's a good, a good term. And that's where I feel like there's a lot of misinformation out there about like, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be alpha? Like we just, as a, as a man, we just get all kinds of crap kind of put on us sometimes of like, you know, you're supposed to act a certain way. You're supposed to be a certain way. And I feel like very often it's not good advice. So, uh, I, I kind of want to hear from you all though. Like, what do you all, I'm going to, Kimberly, I want to start with you. What do you think about toxic masculinity? But then I want to hear from the others too. Okay. Um, well, I feel like, oh, what does it mean to me? Yeah. Like what's your definite, how would you describe it? I would describe it as, um, really based upon a gender role, but really just the negative effects of that masculine gender role if you really wanted to simplify it but i feel like you like you're saying there is a lot of um misunderstanding surrounded surrounding it because people think when you say toxic masculinity that you're talking about all masculinity or all men which is not what we're talking about we're talking about specific behaviors that are unhealthy um that are taught for men that men are, you know, taught in our society to behave that way. And it like doesn't, ne- it doesn't just negatively affect like other people. It's not just outwards. It's also internal. So it negatively affects um, males who are this way. Mm-hmm. I would, I would also add on to that, that like toxic, toxic masculinity 
um, is not just a behavior that can be observed by men or by males, right? Like I can have um, beliefs that I've adopted that stem from toxic masculinity, like beliefs in my worth as a woman, as a female, right? Like I might believe that I am lesser than men because that's what toxic masculinity has taught me. And I just, maybe I just don't recognize that, right? Like that can affect, it can affect everybody. Everybody can have adoptional, like adoptions of behaviors from toxic mm-hmm. masculinity. Right. I mean, I, I guess I just want to give the simple example of um, boys that grow into men are taught like not to cry and not to show feelings. And I think yeah. that can be a form of toxic masculinity because it's very, it can be healthy to show feelings and cry and um, show your emotions. And so I just, that was the one example that came to mind for me and how unfortunate it is that hopefully the society's getting better at that, but how unfortunate it is that we have men that were raised thinking that. For me, the thing that comes to mind is like, you, you've got to lead, like, say you're on a date, you have to lead the entire date. You've got to like guide her and you've got to show that you're in control and that you can do all these things. And that can be attractive, but it's like, if you're doing it in like a pushy way or whatever like that, then it's totally not attractive. So uh, that, that's the one that comes to mind because we are sort of taught that if you don't do this, you're, you know, you're not, you're not an alpha male. All right. Forget the male part. Well, and the alpha male is the ideal, right? So, I mean, that's society's expectations and it's held up as this ideal that yeah, way to yeah. be, not that it is actually ideal. Sorry right. to clarify. Right, right, right. <laughs> so uh, also question, do alphas just like to be alpha? Do you just go in and take whatever you want? Is that admirable or is that weak or, or what are your feelings? This is like a setup question. I'm just dropping. I know it is because I already know how you feel about this. (laughs) (laughs) So like if I'm alpha, I'm just going like, man, I'm just coming in. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm just going to take, take whatever I need. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, so I, I strongly believe that like the whole concept of alpha or alpha male or any of those things comes from an expectation that society has given us of like, what, what does it mean to be successful? And for many people, they may have been taught or they may believe that it means climbing the corporate totem pole or, you know, finding, uh, having a career and finding a wife and having a white picket fence and 2.5 kids or whatever, right? Like, I think that this whole concept of an alpha male or an alpha and some of like the question that you asked, even like, am I just supposed to go in and do, do all of the things and make all the decisions and lead everything and like, people that believe that believe it because they were taught that that that's what it means for them to be a successful human being, whatever kind of human being they are. Right. But like the, the actual answer is you get to decide what success means for you. You get to paint that landscape and then you get to go and make it for your own life. Whether that's the stereotypical 2.5 and a 2.5 kids and a white picket fence, or if it's something totally different. Yes, whether that's being super dominant and making all of the decisions in all of their relationships or not. I think there's something also to be said, though, if you do go against the the stereotypical norms that, you you know, you will face um, some pushback and further explanation. So I can relate in some way to why people just choose to go the route of be successful, have a house, white picket fence, dog, cat, you know, trampoline, whatever, um, because then that appears the way society wants it to versus 
you know, when I was younger, people would ask me about having kids. And then I, you know, I was sick, got treatment, I'm infertile now. And I just say I'm infertile, and they don't bother me anymore. So it almost took, you know, just people just coming at me because I was during that age of having a kid. And I was like, I don't think I want to. And they're like, what? Well, you'll change your mind and blah, blah, blah. And then eventually, (laughs) of course, that decision was made for me and people didn't, um, you know, push back on it at all. But yeah, even getting some pressure like that, it's just easier to be like, okay, I'll have a kid almost or, you know, it's still enforced on us in some way. So I feel like, uh, as far as like, you know, going in and taking what you want, you know, is that admirable or not admirable? Okay. To me, there's, a often people that do that or try to do that. It's like, a kind of fake or pretend, you know, they're, take they're what putting, you want, for example, like, what do you mean? Well, just the attitude of like, if you're really, um, to show that you're in control, you're just going to go in and go do what you want. Okay. So this reminds me of like the, the tough guy, you know, who dresses like tough, you know, and puts on that tough kind of exterior or whatever. Okay. But often that is put up as like a protective thing of like, no, they, there's a fear that's based, you know, behind that, that's kind of deeper or like, you don't want to find out like who, I don't want to say who they really are, but it's like, it's protective, you know? And often when we do that stuff, we do it because there's reasons, there's good reasons to be protective. So I'm not trying to like nix any of that exactly, but often it's not truly like authentic. It's, it's more of like, uh, I don't want to, to connect with people exactly. It's safer if I just am like tough, you know, if I don't show my feelings, if I, I don't know the, you know, if I dress real tough and just kind of have that kind of thing. Okay. So there's, there's an element of like, and, and this is what I find is kind of interesting is like if you being comfortable in your own skin and um, is sort of like its own sort of toughness, like legitimate toughness about it. And then you can have the same thing of like presenting a certain way that is like the total opposite. You know, you're mm-hmm. presenting tough, but you're doing it because in, t- in inside you've got that nervousness or certain fears or things like that. Let me, let me roll into the next part. Okay. The next part that what I try to do when I try to try to really kind of think about this and I did some research. Okay. I'm going to break things like this different list that I kind of found and stuff into like three categories. So like, you know, what is being alpha? So I, I found three categories. There's uh, control, power, and then authenticity. So I think everything, all the little things can kind of fall into those. So l- let me start off like talking about control. Um, emotional control, I think is, is considered good to have, you know, that, that I would say is sort of like a good alpha admirable trait that people really appreciate. If you, if you're able to control your emotions and not just go lose it, people appreciate that, you know, they, they value it. They can sort of, you know, respect it. And I think that's considered, I'm just going to say a positive trait, uh, fear, you know, we've talked about this in the past fear, I think it's fine to have, you know, you, you, you have the fear and then you have to decide like what you're going to do with it. You know, is it something to really be afraid of or, or not be afraid of? And very often there's like stuff to actually be afraid of. So being afraid is not necessarily a bad thing. Fear is really linked to courage because courage is like, yes, I'm scared, but courage is like where I'm like, this is the right thing to do. I'm going to go do it anyway. And people don't always do that. So courage to me is this amazing thing. You know, I'm going to say courage is like this great sort of alpha trait that like, I'm going to do this thing, even though it's hard, even though I'm scared, I'm going to do it because I think it's really the right thing to do. And again, I'm going to put that kind of in that, um, positive 
trait that people value and like. And a lot of these things too, I think are like leadership skills. I don't know if there's a whole lot of difference between, you know, being in a relationship. We all like good leaders. You know, we really do value being around good leaders or good educators or teachers, things like that. Um, so somebody who's got good emotional control and maybe even though they're afraid, you know, they show and they demonstrate courage, that's all kind of considered positive. The flip side of that, you know, the person that is pretending, I'm going to say, is like the being controlling. When I see somebody who is controlling, I instantly think that person is weak. You know, and maybe I shouldn't say weak, but it's like it's not admirable. It's not a cool thing to do. It's not a cool thing to sort of dump on somebody else. And and people do all that stuff all the time. And so there's that there's that place where, you know, to be alpha, I need to show that I'm in control, but it crosses that line into the controlling. So that's what do you all think about that? But I mean, I feel like that's an important part of you know, why, why control is an important trait to discuss. I'm really glad that you brought up the leadership aspect, because when you were talking earlier about what it means to be an alpha, everything everything that was going on in my head is leader. Like there are, there are negative behaviors of being a leader that could be, that could be linked to toxic masculinity that could be linked to uh, like control, like you were, like you were saying, but there are also really positive aspects of being a leader and all of them link back to what you were describing about, about being an alpha and being able to like be in charge of others, basically. Um, the control aspect and the power aspect, like all of those things I feel really iffy about because it's um, it's like Spider-Man, right? Like the, the you, uh, what's the wording? When you have more power, you also have more responsibility, right? And you can take that, you can take that one way or another. So like, yes, I think those aspects need to be there for an alpha, um, but it's a very slippery slope how those things are used appropriately in a respectable way or in a toxic way. Let me add real fast. You know, we keep talking about alphas. I, I didn't say this in the beginning. My opinion is like, if somebody's like, well, I'm an alpha male or I'm an alpha, or if they talk too much about alpha, I feel like you're probably not. And I, I don't like the term. I don't think it's something you should really go out and shoot for. Okay. So what I'm trying to do now is like, I do want to talk through positive traits that are, are good for you to have as a person and that treat other people well. And I think they cross over into like, what is you know, a, a good kind of alpha quality or something like that. But I don't like that whole term. And I've, you know, it, we run across people, you know, in our community that periodically come out and they're like, I, sometimes it's women and they're like, I, I'm looking for the true alpha male. That drives me like crazy. <laughs> and when I see that, I just, I just, I just don't like that, you know? And then the same thing, we have some people that come along and like, I'm a true alpha male and therefore I want to blah, 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 blah. And I just think like that you've, you've shown your bad side, you know, like you don't know what you're talking about. I so that's kind of my opinion, but um, what were we going to say? Are you, you I, I think at the end of the day, like a good alpha is most concerned about how to take care of the people around them, right? Like if that's, mm -hmm. you're a parent and you are leading a family, how do you take care of your loved ones? Or if you are like a team lead of, of a group of people in the workplace, how do you, how do you take care of and set your own team up for success, right? Like whatever type of relationship it is where you are the alpha, you are the person in charge. How do you best take care of those people and set them up for success and whatever their goals are? Like ultimately, I think that's what it comes down to. And it's not in a way that should be forced or bragged about, right? Like it's just how can I, how can I best nurture these people that I'm in charge of or that I care about? 
I, I agree. So that wraps up this podcast because that, that was a great summary. So we're done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do agree. I think like that was in a nutshell. That was, that's, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Um, okay. Another thing, let me, Brandy, um, maybe yeah. speaking up, that, that's one of these traits, you know, that, um, there, there's, again, there's this balance between, there's always a good and bad. Okay. So the, the bad side could be like when the person just talks and t I never do this talks and talks and talks and talks and talks, you know, because they just like the sound of their own voice and stuff like that. But, you know, but I think the, the sort of, I'm going to say alpha trait of is like doing it at the right time and not mm -hmm. suppressing it. So this is like what we talked about, like last week, kind of, you know, with the decision paralysis that, you know, if you're stuck on something, you might not say it or whatever, but, um, what do y'all think? I think like speaking up is a, is an important part. We're just going to touch like, on the toxic masculinity. Sometimes, um, or what I do often is if I'm meeting someone and I feel like there's some toxic masculinity going on and it's a new dynamic or relationship or new to me person, I have to figure out whether the toxic masculinity is like genuine and authentic and that is their true nature or if that is like a front they're putting on because it's been ingrained in them and so they're like this is what she might want um, right. so i think before you proceed down one route or the other you need to kind of determine what their real um nature is and it's one quick and this usually kind of like will seal it for me on if someone's just being like okay, I'm going to be like prim and proper and like tucked in shirt and like act like, you know, I think that she wants me to act versus if they're really that way is if I go on, I meet a date it's, by that time, it's usually a date. And like someone looks like really um, dressed up and formal, I will just reach over and like untuck their shirt and be like, okay, we feel better now. Like, are we good? <laughs> Let's just relax and like get on with the evening. You know what I mean? Like just try to make it informal. And that kind of shows them I don't really care about, um, you know, the formalities as much as getting to know you. And if they relax and they open up and we have good conversation, it's cool. But if they get really uncomfortable with that, then I'm like, you know, I feel like by that point, I've gotten to know them enough where I can reach over and do that. And it'd be a safe behavior and not a trigger or anything. But if they react negatively to that, to me, I'm like, okay, they have some more work that they need to do before them and I can, can make anything of this. Just mm -hmm. a simple example. That's all. Oh my God. I love that you do that, Brandy. Oh that's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right. Can we, can we get on with it now? All right. There you go. That's alpha right there. Yeah. Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that is. Yeah. Kimberly, what is real power? boom <laughs> um i i don't know if this necessarily answers the question or goes back to power but i feel like three traits that are something that i really value really in any person um or a person you know i'm interested in romantically um is or are um vulnerability and authenticity and confidence and that, I don't know if you want to necessarily link that to like an alpha personality, but those things are things that I find powerful to me and attractive to me. Would you say vulnerability, authenticity, and confidence? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Do you, you want to expand on those like at all about like what, what you mean by that? I mean, those, those are good, but you see those as powerful. Let me ask this. This is, this is good, helpful. 
how are those powerful? How is vulnerability powerful? I know we've talked about this in the past, but how is vulnerability powerful? Often, you know, how are those? I don't know that it necessarily, that's why I said it doesn't necessarily relate to your question, but it's like what's been on my mind since the last 10 minutes, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know that it really relates to power necessarily, but I mean, I guess you could say it's indicators of a strong person for me. I completely agree with that, Kimberly. Like you, I, I wrote these things down as you were saying them. I'm like, this makes total sense. And I went down that kind of Yoda logic of like vulnerability breeds authenticity. The more vulnerable you are and the more comfortable you get with that, the more authentic you're going to be in your day-to-day life. And authenticity breeds confidence. The more often that you're going to just be yourself without, without all the filters. Right. And Mm -hmm. being that comfortable in your own skin. And I feel like we talked a lot about this in, I think it was like our first episode or something like being that comfortable in your own skin is going to kind of give yourself that permission to, to take that power, to own your own life and to make those decisions that are best for you and the people that you care about, your loved ones, or the people that you're in charge of, or how, however, you know, whatever alpha relationship we might be talking about, like, that's going to give you the capability to have that power and to use it responsibly. Okay, sure. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, one thing about power, okay, that I have noticed, okay, is there is an aspect that we admire is when somebody takes a risk and they achieve it. Now, if you take a risk and you fail, it's almost like you get no credit, you know, it kind of sucks. Okay. But if you take a risk and, you, and you're, you're basically it's courage, you're showing that you took the risk and this is related. Okay. I'm going to tie this into vulnerability. Okay. Whether you're, you're taking a risk, you're being a bit vulnerable, but you're, you achieve this thing. You showed that you had the courage to do it, to try it, you know, but then when you're also successful at it, the fact that you did this thing and you're successful, all that like adds, you know, that's just like, wow, this person is really, they're a good leader. You know, they were able to kind of pull this thing off. But I do think like vulnerability is linked to the reason vulnerability is sexy is it shows courage and we admire courage we we like people that are courageous and willing to be themselves around us um the same thing the authenticity is the same basically the same thing i think you know we want somebody who is honest that we can trust but then again you know they're courageous enough to be comfortable in their own skin um another thing that i think is interesting is purpose and i'm going to put this kind of in the category of like power okay is that if you have purpose if you're passionate about something we usually appreciate that about people too. So it could be a topic that, you, you know, like, um, I don't know, Kimberly, I could be really passionate about something and you maybe not care about it. Okay. But you might still appreciate the fact that I am passionate about it, that I really care about, you know, this group of people and helping them or something like that, or, you know, whatever. So that's something that I think often kind of triggers, you know, triggers us. We also love it when that person just happens to be passionate about us that is super fucking attractive. It just is, you know? So that's one of those things too. It's like, you have to be vulnerable enough to be, to show the other person that yes, like, like you really care about them. You're really into them, you know? And that's, that's a, we can talk about that later too, like how you actually go about doing that. But that is, you know, being passionate and then being passionate about a person, all that is very sexy to, to do. So I wanted to, actually throw something else out related to vulnerability. Um, And this is something I read and I'm not sure I necessarily agree with, but um, and it's in relation to heterosexual relationships that women say they want a vulnerable man, but when they are 
faced with a man who actually shows vulnerability, they just totally freak out and can't handle that. And I was like, I mean, I don't think that's me, but but it could be true of, you know, other women. I feel like, okay, this is a guess. I think it depends on what type of vulnerability you're talking about. So if it's like, I'm going to take a chance and tell you this thing that I want to do with you in the bedroom. Okay. Like that's me being vulnerable, you know, and sharing that with you. Okay. But if I am vulnerable in a sort of say like a needy way, like, Oh my gosh, like, you know, I need you to do this. I need you to do that, you know, and, um, I'm just scared all the time and I can't do this. If it is draining on the other person, that's where I think it's a turnoff. So if you're, you're showing, if I'm showing that I trust you, you know, and I'm going to take a risk with you, that's a turn on. And if I am draining you, that's, that's going to be a turn off. You know, I think, I think that goes into like evolution in our biology that we, we know to stay away from people that are going to, uh, I shouldn't say stay away from, but to be wary of people that are going to really take our energy and not give it back to us. So that's an interesting, I, I think, go ahead, David. It's an interesting concept that you bring up, Stephen. Like, I feel like what you're describing sounds a little bit like having sort of a victim mentality of kind of being stuck in that really needy headspace constantly all the time and not adapting a growth mindset. Because if you're putting all of that on a partner and being super, super needy and having that victim mentality and like, woe is me and I need this and I'm in trouble and like all these problems and I can't solve them for myself. And you're putting all of that on somebody else. That's not really a a partnership. That's a, I need you to take care of me because I can't take care of myself kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. right? Whereas if you have someone that maybe is still in that victim mentality headspace, but has a growth mindset, they can get themselves out of it and you can support them in getting them out of it along the way, right? But when you're stuck in that, in that headspace without a growth mentality, you're kind of fostering, you're almost asking for a caretaker instead of a partner. And that can be extremely draining. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And not that not yeah. that relationships do not go through segments of time where one partner may just be in a space where they need a lot more, right? Like say mm-hmm. if your um one of your parents pass away and you were struggling with that for for a long time, that's a totally understandable phase of a relationship where one partner may depend on another for a period of time. Like I don't think that's necessarily unhealthy. Um as long as it's as long as it doesn't stay that way, as long as it doesn't turn into a, a permanent relationship structure change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very good. So, so let, let me go into authenticity. That was the last thing that we had: power, control, authenticity. Okay, authenticity. I'm. This is more of like a summary because I felt like the authenticity really pulled everything else that we've talked about kind of together. Okay, so uh, you know, alpha traits, legitimate power is often I think sharing it with others. So it's not being controlling. You know, it's it's you know, yes, I have power and I'm comfortable sharing it with all these other people. That's where you look at this person. You're like, wow, like they, they must have some real power because they're okay sharing it, you know, and that's, that, that's really, that's really good. And I think that's what good leaders do. Self-control. So, you know, dealing with fear and courage, you know, totally fine to be scared about something like that. Um, you know, and the self-control to not just go lose it, but to kind of, you know, be able to kind of, I'm going to say center yourself or whatever, whatever that means, you know, but to be able to not, to not lose something, but to be able to kind of have good emotional control, I think, you know, and then again, courage is kind of related into that too. Purpose and passion, which we talked about. And then also like risks and achievements, which again, I think really kind of go back to courage, you know, that we, we like seeing people that are willing to, to try for things, you know, and, and have the courage to, to strive to, 
you know, not just better themselves, but better those around us. Um, I think so much stuff often is like, what does this person have to give, you know, to, to others, you know, that that's where if somebody who's just like, take, 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 you kind of, you know, you can't be around them all the time, but somebody who, who is giving, that's a really attractive trait. So I think like, you know, risks and achievement and courage and self-control and all that often are very giving aspects. Um, so authenticity, you know, that's the part where I think if you are able to be authentic, that is going to really, as we know, for like the whole ethical seduction thing is like authenticity. That's where you're going to connect with friends and, and partners and lovers. And that's the thing that really makes you sexy and attractive. And I think really kind of stand out. So authenticity is just one of those key things, I think, for the alpha thing, just to, you know, to strive for it because we all accidentally don't do it. You know, we fall into protective things. Um, to keep ourselves safe. And so it's, it does take work, I think, to at least I've been working on it for a long time, you know, to admit, admit things, you know, about yourself and, you know, what you want and, you know, all that. Um, so let me go into my bonus question, because this one is, I'm going to tell you, I don't really, this is related, but I'm interested to see how you guys maybe re- relate it or, or, or turn it into. So this is an unfinished thought but I think that there's something to it that ties back into the alphas. Okay. Uh, it's the family structure of apes. You guys all know all about this, right? I can see blank stairs. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, so let me, I'll give you a summary. So gorillas, and this is, again, I love evolution, find this stuff fascinating. So gorillas come in, you get the silverback, right? He is the alpha male of the group. Okay. So you got a new silverback takes over. What does he do? He goes around and he kills all the kids right? He mates with all the females and they start over, you know, and if he gets taken over, the next guy comes in, kills all the kids and they start over again. All right. So that's, that is the gorilla alpha male family structure. That's how they do it. Then you get into, I think that there's orangutans, which I don't remember much. So I'm going to skip them. And I think they're kind of very isolated, you know, more, more solid. on the like endangered species list because yeah, well, that's because they keep killing themselves. Like just stop killing each other. Well, there, there, are, and I'm not going to go into the details, but there are reasons why these family structures work. I'm that's sure. what it comes down. To. Okay, so chimps, chimps do it differently. Okay, so chimps, the female, so, so there's chimps, and then there's bonobos, and I'm just going to tell you, humans are in between chimps and bonobos. So chimps, what they do is like there's the fear that okay, the males might come around and kill the kids. So what the females do is the females just make sure they mate with all of the males, but the males don't like this. So therefore, the female has to woo the male off. They have to sneak over to the side. They've got to do the deed while nobody knows about it and come back. Okay, but what happens then is all of the males know like well, I could be the dad. And so they don't go kill the kids. Okay. The bonobos are much more, I don't want to say it's not a female led society, but it's much more that way. The females have a ton of power. It's, you know, I'm going to say much more like equal or maybe even more power than the males. And when you get into these family structures where you have, where the females have more power, the amount of war, you know, chimps will fight and have wars and stuff like the amount of war drops 
and the amount of sex goes way up, which I just find that crazy. Okay. So bonobos fuck all the time. They fuck everything for every reason. If you're mad, they will fuck. If they're happy, they will fuck. You'll have, you know, male, male on male, female on female. They do it for all kinds of reasons. It's just like part of their society. Okay. I feel my spirit animal. (laughs) (laughs) So, so we're in, so we as humans are somewhere in between of that, in between that, you know, that we, we don't really do it like either one necessarily, but we're probably, our family structure is probably somewhere in between. And then you get into things like cheating and we don't really know exactly how much humans cheat, but we know it happens a lot. And we, you know, humans are also different because we can have sex anytime we want. I think the other ones all go into heat and that's when certain things happen. Although bonobos, I don't think that's true. I think bonobos will have sex, like I said, all the time for everything. Okay. So my question here is like with the alpha male, you know, if you, it's kind of these family structures are really all based around like how are we handling procreation and having kids and who's controlling of the group, you know? And so the gorilla system is very different than the Bonobo system. What, what do you all, how do you feel that relates kind of, I guess, to people, you know, and humans and male attitudes. And I just was throwing that out there. I just kind of wanted to hear your all's thoughts. I don't know exactly how that ties into this conversation, but I feel that it's what it does. I mean, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. The Bonaboos that you say are the female-led society? Okay, yeah. They're the (laughs) female-led society? Yeah. So what is their power structure like then? I don't understand the question. I don't think the Bonaboos understand the question either. So like... like (laughs) No, I mean... No, I mean, I think that... What do you mean? So like the gorillas are very like, they were the first group, right? Everybody raises the kids. Is that what you're getting to? No. Okay. What are you getting to? It sounded to me like the males were still like technically in charge, but the females figured out how to get around it by making them really confused about who the dad could be. Chimps. So they're like, we're hands, we're hand, our hands are tied. I guess I was looking at the, like, are there other aspects of the female led like power structure there that you can talk about but maybe not but okay so what i'm getting at is like what i'm thinking about is this concept uh that it keeps kind of coming in on the edges of what you're saying to me but like um what i'm thinking about is the concept of power with versus power over so like your toxic masculinity would be the power over like i'm Mm. dominating you i'm trying to control you versus the power with is what you're talking about earlier when you're like okay i'm going to share this power with others i'm going to be a good leader um that sort of thing and so power isn't bad necessarily it's just how you're using it that's pretty good i like that well and i think the gorilla example it can be uh correlated to toxic masculinity because if you have let's say a gorilla that comes in and says okay you're not going to talk to any of your exes you're not going to talk to any of your friends and they completely isolate you and kind of make you or force you to start over with a completely different social system based on what they they've constructed um then yeah that could be a problem well you are i will say this real fast the gorillas though like the females i think are okay with this because in some ways they don't like their kids getting killed nobody likes that okay but um if the stronger guy comes in in theory the stronger guy with the stronger dna better dna comes in right and so therefore they can have better babies and there is a certain aspect that it's like as a female you want to mate with the best possible male you can we can go into this there's a 
evolution is pretty interesting because it's different between homemaking, I'm going to say, versus who's got the best physical DNA. There's a difference there. Birds yeah, when the, like the female gorillas find themselves in a situation that they're powerless over and can't get out of, you know, you can learn to convince yourself of certain things, right? So I'm not really sure that the females are completely on board with that. I think they maybe just don't have a choice but to be. That, okay. Yeah, that could be. That could I totally just think be. that all of these monkeys need to be sorted into Hogwarts houses. <laughs> and I think the silverbacks are definitely the Slytherins. I'm just going to put that out there. Oh. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough, Ava. <laughs> Well, we'll we'll wrap that up then. That's a good good ending there. Thank you, Ava. So, um, all right. Well, th thank you. I thought this was a good discussion. I was interested in in how you all would would react and and your thoughts. And it was it was good. It was, it was good. Um, yeah, I feel like I learned some things. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we do we're going to do an episode every single Friday. That seems to be the best day to kind of put these out for everybody. So you got them for the weekend. Um, if you did like today's show, you can remember to follow us, uh, subscribe to us so you get the, the future episodes. We're out on on uh, most of the platforms now for, for podcasting. You can follow us just about everywhere. Coming up in future weeks, a couple of teaser topics that we're going to go through. Uh, Kimberly is going to cover kink identities and talk about you know different ones, and you might find something that you associate with or that you like. Ava is going to talk about uh, sex tips for people with different body shapes, and that's going to be pretty interesting, I think. And then also uh, probably two episodes from now or so, we're going to get into um, a fun one that's about like stimulating our partner's most powerful sex organ, which is the brain. And so we're going to learn how to play with that and stimulate that and turn our partners on. Um, if you'd really be helping us out, if you want to also you listen to the podcast, if you want to leave us any kind of ratings or reviews, those are important, especially since we're just starting off on the podcasting, we, you know, that would do us a, a big favor. So if you've got the time and the inclination, we would appreciate that. Check us out at ethicalseduction.com. We're building out that website. I'm changing it like every couple, every week or so to kind of add in additional material or just the way we're kind of structuring things these days. Uh, but yeah, keep an eye on that. You can also listen to the podcast if you go to ethicalseduction.com. We've got the podcast there. So that's always a great place to find out what the latest one is. So thanks again. And we look forward to, to having next week's show and covering whatever topics we get into. So... Thank you. Bye.